Conversations with the Mind podcast, where we explore consciousness through conversations with interesting people. Our mission is to engage the collective mind piece by piece to bring greater clarity of mind to our listeners locally and across the planet, and to contribute to broaden the shared experiential knowledge and wisdom of existence. Welcome back to the show, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's because of your listenership that we do this. So please continue to listen, share it, um, share it on your social media, share with your friends and family, spark up these conversations. It's, uh, I don't know, I find them deeply invigorating myself. Uh, Hence, I make this podcast uh, to help spread that to anybody who's even willing to listen. And, um, 
who knows? I think I'm doing an all right do- job. I don't get too much feedback, but uh, feedback is appreciated. So, um, like I said, please like and share. You guys can leave comments about the podcast or contact me with questions or anything like that through uh, the MindOps website. It's M-I-N-D hyphen O-P-S. Make sure you get that hyphen in there. So just wanted to say thank you so much. Um, please uh, donate if you if you find this content valuable at all. Please consider uh, giving a one-time um, or recurrent donation. Something as small as you know one dollar can be extremely helpful. Um, it accumulates, so please help. And also go check out our YouTube page, uh, MindOps YouTube page, M I N D hyphen O P S, just like the website. And there you can find a lot of these episodes, uh, the video portions up there so you can see me talking to the guests. It adds an extra little layer, kind of nice. I've also put together all kinds of playlists and things like that uh, if you're interested in any of these topics. Also, guys, if you guys find cool videos um, that relate to these topics, uh, I thirst for knowledge. So it's... Uh, you know, part of me starting this podcast was so I could meet and talk to so many interesting people on so many deep, deep levels. So if you like this podcast and you want to engage with us, please reach out, give us comments, give us feedback, let us know which podcasts you can and can't hear very well, which ones sound better. Uh, let us know, you know, do you like the intro songs? Do you like um, the different sections that I put in there? And if you find some good news stories to contribute, send them my way. Um, you can find, like I said, you can contact me on the MindOps website. Um, so, yeah, reach out, guys. Engage with me, and let's make this thing uh, a little more collective. All right? Sweet. So here, um, just going to take a little break for our sponsor. Conversations with the Mind podcast is sponsored, as always, by MindOps.com. That's M-I-N-D hyphen O-P-S dot com. Come check us out. We're an eclectic counseling company providing both mental health and mental performance services to individuals, small and large groups, teams, businesses, and military individuals through face-to-face sessions or at a distance using phone or confidential video chat apps. We bring a unique Buddhist Western lens and specialize in general psychotherapy for all mental difficulties, sport and performance psychology for performance enhancement through mental training, addiction counseling for any maladaptive or destructive habits, and psychedelic integration therapy to make the most from your visionary medicine work. We're available as well for corporate workshops to address the needs of your employees' wellness. Thank you for listening to the show, and please go check us out, mindops.com and the MindOps YouTube page. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, how about some good news for your day? Make you smile a little bit. Uh, Hopefully you're having a good day. Anyway, today's good news story and my effort to put out some good vibes into the universe comes uh, as it, they mostly do uh, on this podcast from the Good News Network. So uh, a lot of these good news stories you can go find at goodnewsnetwork.org. Today's uh, good news story reads, Man with no kids of his own pays off lunch debts for every child in nine Florida schools. And what drew me into this article first and foremost was the title. Uh, right away, it gave me the feeling 
you know, as I try and put myself in the shoes of these kids receiving this gift and to the families that it, you know, ripples out and affects in positive ways. And also, you know, what it would be like to be that man um, contributing to all these kids' well-being and and feeding them. Uh, I just got an overwhelming sense of gratitude, of selflessness, of um, love and compassion and connectedness and uh, unification. And it just felt amazing. So it drew me in. And, you know, the article's not really long. Um, It talks about... um, this man from Palm Beach County, uh, you know, through word of mouth, he doesn't like, he doesn't have any kids of his own, but through word of his mouth or, or word of mouth from other people, um, he found out that there were about 400 kids in his community that couldn't get full lunch at school because they owed money and he wanted to do something about that. So he cut a nice little check, um, to the Jupiter public school district and, um, zero put put a zero balance on all 400 of those kids lunch accounts so then they were able to get food um which he's uh let's see he says food is something that you shouldn't have to think about um and it's you know it's becoming more more of an issue as food prices go up and um you know, a family's ability to afford high food costs, not only in the home, but in schools is deeply affected by all sorts of things from income inequality to, uh, you know, the, you know, overproduction of food and food waste and all sorts of things. So I just thought that this was a really cool thing. And it pointed to, uh, to me, it reminded me of just how influential each and every one of us could be. I mean, this one man with one act affected thousands of people for the better you know those 400 kids now get to eat um the families of those 400 kids now have much of a less of a burden financially to try and make up or or um make up financially for or you know they can finally let go of of the stress and and guilt or shame that can come from not being able to pay those bills they can let that go and imagine the impacts that has from them letting go of that stress on their ability to connect and communicate with other family members and their own friends and in the entire community getting word of this um to me this this echoes pay it forward and it's just an amazing example of how that can be done. And he didn't donate that much money, guys, and it affected so many people. So think about yourself and think about um, maybe if that's something that, that interests you, how could you make that kind of an impact? Um, sometimes it just starts with doing one kind thing to the person you see on the street, a stranger you're waiting in line for coffee with or something like that. So um be kind smile open conversation open doors um practice a little bit more kindness compassion and selflessness i think it it can go a really long way okay so the conversation with my mind recently has been centered as most of my life is these days in and around what i'm learning in school uh in my phd program for social work <clears throat> And we're learning a lot about, um, you know, different ways of knowing the validity of different knowledge sources, um, the history of science and its closed mindedness uh, to new openings and and morphologies of science that that are starting to open up and adapt and become better uh, as science should. Science should always change um, 
as evidence gets better, but also that science is not the only type of knowledge. And um, specifically, we've been learning a lot about, um, well, how do I put this, Uh, power imbalances, and somebody brought up um, a great question that I just wanted to pose uh, out there to everybody, and I know not everybody is in the mental health field or not everybody uh, is necessarily concerned with or thinks about these things, um, about the systems that we have in place for mental health. Um, but uh, let me let me paint you a little picture, and hopefully you might be able to connect in some way and, and maybe see the injustices that, uh, that we all saw in, in class the other day. So, um, so think about it this way. Um, social work historically has tended to deal with uh, interests around um, helping the least advantaged people, the most underserved, the most disconnected of our societies, and help them, um, you know, not only facilitate uh, basic survival needs, but eventually, you know, hopefully the goal should always be to um, get people beyond that baseline state so that they can start to take action in their own lives and to thrive. But um, because social work itself has always uh, tended to have its its eye towards social justice and, and e- equality and equity and, and helping uh, these underprivileged, um, the question came up, well, maybe is that why... Uh, the, the interest from the up highs who provide the funding and the money and and things like that that, that make it possible for scientists to do research, um, is that possibly why social work has not received the attention and the type of funding that maybe it should um, in order to be able to move a lot of the, uh, not only social work science but a lot of different sciences forward? Uh, and that was a really interesting question. And maybe it's the populations that we choose to work with in social work um, that fact that maybe is is turning people off from wanting to engage um, with uh, you know foundations and financial contributions to scientific research and things like that, and where people are putting more money and focus and financial backing into um, into helping uh, you know kind of the status quo, white middle class or uh, to helping to elevate um, those of power into more power or help those in power stay in power. Um, it seems like a lot of things are, are geared towards that, and the funding goes more towards those things rather than towards the things that perhaps they should, which are going towards uh, the places that really need um you know, these sort of contributions. I'm, I'm, you know, right away, I'm thinking about, you know, some of the most impoverished cities that used to be thriving metropolis in, in the United States, things like Detroit and Baltimore and places like this, Chicago, that are, you know, still very beautiful places. I love all three of those locations, but you go there and the infrastructure in a lot of the part of the city is just deteriorating and condemned and uh, looks terrible. And, and uh, the communities around there are deeply affected by not only the the degradation of of the infrastructure, but the degradation of uh, social connections. People having to move out of the area because work's not available, factories closing down, things like that. Um, where am I going with all this? What I'm trying to say is that perhaps um, 
we put less focus on the underserved. Uh, I mean, that's a fact. But it got me questioning, like, why? Why why do I choose to go into a profession to help people like that when um, it doesn't seem like, I don't know. I don't know how everybody thinks, honestly, uh, so I can't say. But, um, you know, I don't know. It, it just got me... Th- it got me thinking about, and now I'm drawing, drawing a blank. It shoots off into so many directions from here. Um, social justice, inequality, all these things, super important. Um, I don't know. It. I think it's, it's, for me, it comes a lot down to reinforcing power hierarchies that are consistently keeping people in poverty and keeping people sick and keeping people in these, um, negative cycles and negative systems uh, in the prison system and all these things. And, uh, you know, there's another good example. Not very much funding goes towards um, doing research uh, specific to prison populations uh, for the benefit of, of uh, you know, the people in those settings. So I don't know. I just see a vast inequality. Um, and I think it comes down to what was brought up in my class is that, you know, it, it might be tied to the types of populations that we're choosing to focus on um, that is influencing the level of support from either the general public or from uh, people who care to, you know, um, help fund research that can, that can change these issues. And that's unfortunate. Uh, so that's what's been on my mind recently. <clears throat> I don't know what to do about that yet. I'm trying to, still come up with solution and how I can use my um, knowledge and, and influence if I have any to, to help change these types of systems, but it's still a work in progress and I need your guys help. So think on it for me and get back to me if you could. All right. Today's guest uh, was going to be one guest, but very surprisingly and very uh, welcome. We had two guests on the podcast today. First and foremost, my very good friend, Neil Yazdenduist. Neil and I were um, great college friends in our undergrad years at CU Boulder. Um, we hung out for a number of years down there. Um, you know, we partied it up. We had good times, bad times, and everything in between. Lots of good stories shared between he and I. And then after college, uh, he went off to the military, and I went off to um, graduate school. And we kind of parted ways, and we always kept touch in, in Facebook. But, but uh, I hadn't seen him for almost, uh, it was over 10 years before we did this podcast. So it was super awesome to see Neil. Um, he came into town. He called me up randomly. He said, hey, man, I'm getting married. I'm coming to town. I want you to meet my wife, and I want you to help us celebrate. So he came back from Florida with his new wife, uh, well, fiance at the time, Camilla, and they got married here in Colorado. And uh, my wife and I got to go out and uh, have the first couples dinner with with them uh as a married couple it was really cool so i have both neil and camilla yes induced on the podcast today i hope you enjoy it um great perspectives neil like i said is a military guy um 
Camilla is, uh, I think she said she's originally from Hungary, uh, and she says she grew up in communism, so she brings a really interesting perspective to a lot of the topics that we touch on today, uh, and a lot of differences in a lot of the ways we we all view things um, sitting here around this podcast. Uh, So it was really, really cool to have that kind of an engaging conversation and um, to have it be productive, right, and not be not be trying to get at each other's throats or trying to get uh, one up each other or, or anything like that. It was great. So I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Conversations with the Mind, episode 59 with Neil and Camilla. All right, folks, welcome back to Conversations with the Mind. I'm your host, as always, Shane Lamaster, and we're here with uh, Neil Yazdendust. And I cannot pronounce your name. How do you say it again? Camilla. Camilla. And have you taken his last name? Not yet. Okay, so these two, yeah, these two just got married today. Um, So this is episode fifty nine of Conversations with the Mind, and yeah, they just got married today. And um, my good friend Neil, who I haven't seen for like over a decade, yeah, yeah, when we went to college, and uh, we'll have lots of fun stories about that. But uh, yeah, it's great seeing you. And then you just hit me up randomly and said, "Hey, I'm coming back to Colorado and I'm getting married, and I'd love." to have you celebrate so it's a pleasure to meet you for the first time and you're married to a wonderful friend of mine um yeah let's get into it well thank you thank you for congratulating yeah of course us. Um, thanks for having us and i'm i've never really been that good of a person when it comes to the whole keeping in touch with friends even though i think about them all the time and we have all this social media and all these phones and we can we can reach out and just someone anytime yet i'm still terrible but you always have your group of friends that no matter what, you're always thinking about them, and they're on your mind. And and there was nothing weird about this. It's not like we saw each other and was like, oh, uh, awkward, what have you been up to? That's really cool. It's just picking up exactly where we left off, and it's it's really nice to have mm. friends like that in your life, and everyone has something like that. I don't even remember where we left off. Like, we graduated school, and then... We all just kind of parted ways and did our own thing. You went into the military, and I come to find out today that you haven't left the military. <laughs> that that astounded me. I was actually going to get you really high on the podcast today, <laughs> um, and then just rehash what we like. Like you said, pick right back up where we left off from right. college. But uh, found out you're still in the military, so I couldn't couldn't get you baked. So I just smoked that whole bowl to my myself, and uh, feeling pretty good. Good, good, and glad you guys are both here. So yeah, before we even started, um, well, I, how about I start off the podcast? Uh, you guys haven't heard it yet. So um, the first question is is the same for everybody. I ask everybody the same question. And then after that, we'll, we're free to talk about whatever we want. And I really want to get into meditation because you were just talking about that. But um, the first question I always ask is, uh, what does the phrase conversations with the mind mean to you? Uh, that's the name of the podcast, mm-hmm. Conversations with the Mind. And the, the audience knows what it means to me. And I've had, you know, over over like 50 guests on this show. And they they all put it out there on the line and kind of put, you know, put well, part of themselves into the podcast. So what, is that, what does that phrase mean to you? When you hear it, what comes up as like visuals in your mind or memories maybe? What comes up? Well, I just think more along the line of... Thinking, uh, most amount of conversation you're going to have is with yourself in your head. Every single 
decision you're about to make, every single experience that is about to take place, has taken place, is in the middle of taking place. Like right now, I'm being conscious in my mind. I'm having a conversation. I have to think to myself, how how should I answer this question? Mm-hmm. You're always talking to yourself, and everyone has a completely different perspective of the same scenario. We can look at the same object, but if you're seeing it from one angle, it's completely different than the angle that I'm seeing it at. Mm-hmm. And when we put our collective minds together, we might be able to get the whole the whole image into a more finite definition. I like that. Have you ever heard the the old parable about the blind man and the elephant? I can't say that I have. No, no. So, and I'm going to put my own little spin on it, but um so there's this group of blind men, right? And um this this teacher leads an elephant into the room and says, "Okay, now I want each of you blind men to describe to me what I brought into the room." So they all reach out and they're feeling around and they all are touching the elephant on a different part of its body. One one person's touching his trunk, the other person's uh, touching this, his side, one's touching his tail, one's touching his ear. And the, as they begin to describe it, they're like, oh, well, this elephant is certainly, you know, round because I feel like I can wrap my hands around it all the way and it, it's like a snake, you know, that's the shape. And another one was like, well, no, it's definitely not that. It's flat and it's big and round and it's floppy because he's touching the ear and another guy says um no I th- it's smooth and then it has this tuft of hair at the end right because he's touching the tail and it's all because they all have these different perspectives on what's actually going on in the room what's actually happening but by bringing their collective perspectives to the table you know you get enough blind men touching that elephant you're going to be able to accurately describe what that elephant is right because everybody's perspective plays this part in putting the pieces of the puzzle together so your perspective coming to the podcast and talking about your life and your experience helps put one of those pieces of the puzzle into what this this collective knowledge base that we all all of us humans have right your perspective just as important it's just one more piece right mine is just one piece and i think the more we can bring these perspectives together the clearer the picture is going to be as like what the hell is going on on this planet what are we humans doing like we're certainly not here to do what we're doing make money and kill the planet we're here to do something really special. We have consciousness for a reason. And no one of us individually knows what that is, but I think collectively we can put these pieces together to find some answer. Well, you know, what What you actually just said is that we're not here doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're not out here supposed to kill each other and just take all this money for ourselves. I very much agree with you on that. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's a perspective that I've been actually thinking about a lot more recently uh, very few people realize because of how white I am. Because my mother, she's German. My mother's side of the family is white. But a lot of people think with my last name that I'm I'm just German or Dutch or uh, Russian. And my last name is Yazdanduz for anyone that's interested. It, it doesn't sound like it would be a Middle Eastern last name. Hmm. And it is. And my dad grew up in Iran. <coughs> my His entire family grew up in Iran. And they were Islam. Uh, they were Muslims. They practiced Islam. And I'm in the military now. Like you mentioned, I'm still in the mm-hmm. military. And it's amazing how many people will talk to me about these dirty Muslims and how Islam is this, that, the other. And 
they won't realize that that's my family they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I'll let them go. And I, there was actually a guy I worked with. Uh, he was saying that. I just let him go. He said his whole thing. And I said, would you believe it or not that, you know, my dad is from Iran. He's not, he's not practicing. His, uh, he doesn't practice Islam anymore or anything like that. But uh, that's how we grew up. And I was like, he was the biggest proponent for my sister who actually just recently got out of the military and myself joining the military. He was one of the biggest proponents for us doing that. And and it just went to go to show him, like, what you're what you're hearing about all these people isn't necessarily true. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you get these ideas because these are the things that are being forced into your head. Right, and they've the been twisted thing, around in all the media and everything from everybody else's opinions. Even, you know, the media has its own opinion and wants to put its own spin on it, too, depending on what station you're watching. Exactly, and... And when it comes to the whole, we're not here to just take money, one of the things I like to say, uh, actually, what that whole story was about was, I would say 99% of the world, 99.9% of the world, they just want to live a good quality of life. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to afford a house, shelter, food, and I'd say, I have money for the savings account, have money for retirement. Uh, but realistically have money so that they can take two vacations a year without having to worry about how tight the budget's going to be. And I'd say that's most, most people in the world. They're not really just trying to take everything from themselves. They just want to live a good life. But that other percent will take whatever they can from whoever they can. Mm-hmm. And, and we support that. And we support them. Well, and even if we don't actively support them, we're, you know second-handedly supporting them by not standing up, you know, and saying that there's something wrong with it. Um, I forgot who said this thing, but um, it's like the most evil men on, on the planet are not evil men, but those who refuse to stop evil men or something like that. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine that was actually in the Navy, he's out now. He's going to school for physical therapy, doing really good stuff. Uh, he was taking an ethics class, and he was telling me malfeasance. I think mm-hmm. that's... Uh, malfeasance versus non I, I can't remember the what it was called but it was basically you go out there and you do bad things that we can say is bad um, but the other one was you're not doing anything bad but you're not stopping bad from happening right and exactly that is contributing to the overall bad absolutely if if you put a numerical value on minus one for the person that's doing something bad a zero for the person that's not doing anything and a plus one for the people that are out there doing good that then you could actually get in a real equation of where are we as a species. Yeah. It's never binary like this, never one or the other, black or white, you know. Nothing is. Everything's exactly. all in grace. So I want to hear from you too, Camila. Um, what what does the phrase conversations with the mind mean to you? So that's a very interesting, but I had one time a question. We have a mind because we Here, scoot a little bit closer. So we have a mind because mm-hmm. we experience seeing, touching, but What's about the people who born and they blind and they don't hear? Mm-hmm. What are they going to think? Because they don't experience the life. Do they dreams? Mm-hmm. So this is always in my mind. What they experience from the life. So they, so how they can, what's they going, uh, what they think. Because we think everything what we experience. Yeah. Touching, hearing, I'm going to move this over just a little bit. Yeah, I think, we, I think a lot of what our mind is made up of for us because we have all of our senses, is uh, mostly visual, right? We make up 
what we think of the world and what reality is based off what we see. Um, and people who are blind probably see it differently. You know, people who are deaf would would experience it differently, but they all have consciousness, no, right? No, no, they no, all no, have you mind. You didn't understand. Okay. Have people who are deaf and blind, mm-hmm. totally peace and the darkness because mm-hmm. they don't see, they don't hear. So what's the experience they of feel. their life? Yeah, that's the only what they can mm-hmm. do, but nothing else. But even um, people who are like in, in a coma and can't hear or see, well, some people in comas report um, hearing, you know, people in the room talking, but if you couldn't hear or see or feel anything, right, there was no sensation from the body at all, but the brain's still going, so you still have a mind. Um, yeah, I'm wondering, that's probably a lot like what meditation is, right? Just totally disconnected from the information that's coming from the body, right? Then it's just pure mind. So maybe they are luckier than we are. Maybe. Uh, you know, they're kind of forced into it. They don't have a choice to be in that state, whereas we we can choose to develop that. We can choose to meditate and be, you know, be present in the moment and uh, experience these things, or we can choose not to. We can choose to sit on the couch and watch TV all day and stuff our face with Cheetos um, and just to turn off to what is reality. Um, these folks don't have a choice. I mean, but I mean, they're kind of forced into it, but yeah, that's a good point. You know, that might be like, like that type of mindset might be what we're trying to achieve through things like meditation and taking psychedelics and, you know, getting drunk or getting high, we're, we're escaping something. Well, I mean, you can lie with your looks and you can lie with your words. Mm-hmm. And if you don't hear, if you don't see, then, I mean, you, I can't, you can't lie to touch or smell or taste. I uh, think about all the charming people out there. Ted Bundy, uh, there's like 50 million documentaries about him on Netflix mm-hmm. right now. And Sorry, I'm just going to adjust this. No, that's fine, that's fine. But what, what scares, what's, what Ted Bundy got super popular for yeah. was that he was the first prominent serial killer that he never he didn't fit the bill. It terrified people because he looked so charming and he was so mm-hmm. charismatic. He's mm-hmm. not the guy. And all the people and all the women that were saying that, no, he couldn't do it. He's just too handsome. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do it because he's too handsome. That, that doesn't even make sense. So when it comes to looks and words, like you can use looks to deceive people, just like you can use words. Um, when you're feeling, you can't lie to that. Like if I if I think you're lying or something like that, and I'm touching your heart, and I notice that it's going faster, or something's happening, then it, you can't really lie about those ones. Mm-hmm. Those are just those are true. I don't know. That might have been a little bit more of a, of a stretch, but mm-hmm. no. But it, yeah, I think you bring up an interesting point. Like without our ability to take what's in the mind and, and like put it into action with touching or, or hearing or seeing it. Like then what, what is the conversation up there? Like, what do you, what do you think about? Yeah. That's what, and what do you dream about? Because yeah, yeah. you dream about what's mm-hmm. the experience, but, but um, people who cannot see, who cannot hear, mm. they don't have a life experience. How did you, for example, they get sick. How you can? How do you know they have a pain? Mm-hmm. How they can tell they have a pain? And how do you know? Um, how you can tell them? Don't be scared. So, you know the connection is. So they are so alone. Darkness, peace, and then I don't know. I think if I think about this, I think I get scared. Yeah, a lot of fear because, too. Yeah, some yeah. People. Because it's just like 
I don't know. Is this, this is to me so interesting. Really, I would like to know what they dream about. <laughs> no, that's true. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know what they dream. I think they do have dreams. Uh, people have. have yeah, yeah, I think they've reported uh, that they have dreams. But um, I like my area of interest right now for my PhD is uh, psychedelics and psychedelic assisted therapies and things like that. And actually, there have been some studies done with. Um, Blind people, people who've never seen color, they'll, they'll take psychedelics and then they will experience color um, inside their, their mind, but they don't know um, what it is, you know. Uh, they And when they describe it, you know, the person sitting there listening to the description knows that it's, you know, they're describing red, they're describing green. But the person having the experience um, is just like, seeing all these colors that they've never seen before. So it's opening up different pathways. So I'm wondering, yeah, is some of that, you know, because in Buddhism we be, we believe in past lives too and things like that. So in past lives, I mean, certainly you can't be blind in all of your lifetimes. So maybe you have this memory of what color looks like or what a beautiful mountain looks like. And maybe as a blind person you may dream about that, right? Because some people will say dreams are your consciousness leaving your body and going and traveling and can go back in time or forward in time and do all these things. But maybe, yeah, they, maybe these people have like imprinted memories, um, of colors and, and images. I don't know. That's a very interesting question though. And I think it's very, if you are a mother and you have a child like that, mm-hmm. it's, you have to be always in fear, like fear, because you don't know, What's going on with your child? How you can help? Mm-hmm. Because you cannot tell you now where it hurts. Is if it's crying, you don't know what's going on. So it's difficult to find out. I don't know how they can learn. Mm-hmm. How you can teach them? Because you they don't see, they don't hear. So. Yeah. Uh, well, if they can still feel things, I think you could probably teach them based on like tapping the skin, like one for yes, two for no. Uh, and teach them like a, a language or an alphabet using sensation. Um, yeah, I've always wondered how do blind people learn to read Braille, right? Um, but they can usually without hear. S- without seeing, true. Yeah, so they that's can hear why it. they don't, so it's... So yeah, they either have one or the other. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of feel guilty for not having read more about Helen Keller all of a sudden. Like, mm because uh, she was blind, deaf, and she couldn't speak. Mm-hmm. Um, dumb is the word for it. But there's a whole book on her, so I, I'm a little bit more interested in reading about it now. Mm-hmm. That's a difficult life. For sure. But she's bringing up a point that maybe, yeah, I mean, yes, for sure. It's difficult when they're trying to interact with the way our society is. But They still have a mind. Right, but is it... Yes, is it less difficult in the mind, maybe? Maybe they don't have to worry about seeing terrible things or hearing terrible things or watching terrible shows on TV, right? Like, we're talking about nutrition at dinner, right? I believe a part of your nutrition is what you take in visually, you know, what you listen to on the radio. Are you listening to crap and, you know, rap that's saying bitch this and bitch that? And, you know, are you listening to that? That's part of your nutrition. Or are you listening to things that are making you happy? Are you watching things that are positive? Or are you watching like the news that's negative all the time? If I'm taking in that kind of uh, visual food, I'm going to be way 
like more negative, you know? So maybe they are lucky in some way in that they don't have to put up with all of this crap around us all the time, all the messages coming to us, like you were talking about, like the conditioning going on. <laughs> I don't know how it is in in your country, but when you come to our country, you were, you were mentioning on TV, you start to see these uh, ads for medicine, right? It's like, if you're feeling this, come talk to your talk to your doctor and we'll give you this pill, you know? And there's only three countries in the whole world that do that, mm-hmm. that where that's legal. Every other country, it's illegal to have those ads on TV. And so I'm interested in what it's like for you coming to a country like this where, you know, we live here. We think that this is, is normal, but we're, we're not doing no, a lot of normal things over here, you know? Yeah, so it is, it is true. It's a big difference how mm-hmm. I was uh, see. Of course, you come from Europe. You think you learn, oh, America is great and freedom. Mm-hmm. And I was believed this. So after when I was starting to come, first learn the language. And I realized that when I did see, like really, I traveling, like, but I have not medication. But here everybody like taking headache or, or oh, and, yeah. and, it's, and then taking like not even one, like, <laughs> like five or, or mm-hmm. I don't know. And after I just talked to people, Yes, I started to take this when I was that age and that age. So here, how I see to taking medication is very normal. But how we see in Europe, if you take medication, you sick, so you are not a hundred percent healthy person. That's how we see. Yeah. So and here is normal. You taking medication and how you said in promotion, you have problem with this. Oh, just take this, and you can get easily medication because this is. And I see. Also brainwash how they say people eat this because it's very healthy. So they make you sick because the biggest money making to um, selling drugs. Mm-hmm. So they need sick people. So Americans, most people, they think they eat healthy and they poison themselves every day. And they don't know. They didn't realize. And because they brainwashed with the promotion. Right. Drink milk is very good for you. Cereal is vitamins. And but the other way, I think we live in now in the world in the time that we have internet and you can find out the truth. So is is everybody if a little bit one? So the knowledge is free now. Mm-hmm. You don't have to study. You don't have to go to the school. So now everybody can know the truth. You have to little bit look to it and then you can find out what's the truth. But like. But there's a lot of bullshit out there too. Yeah, that's that's as well. But mm-hmm. so, so how do you sort through what's real, what's real information, and what's just you know another promotion trying to sell you something? I would say try on your body. I did try a lot of diet mm-hmm. in my life, eating every three hours, eating mm-hmm. meat, and then um, yeah, it's really of course we all have a different body type. Your body is different. You, but is is. Um, if you really be think about it and you can more see what's how big corporations work. So, for example, if you see who sponsored that kind of diet, if you see Burger King, yeah. Nestle, <laughs> blah, 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 you already should know that's not true. Mm-hmm. Because who sponsored, you know? Right. Yeah, so if after, the corporations are paying yeah, yeah, for yeah. the research, yeah, yeah, yeah you, like, you always have to question that research. Yeah, after already, you know, so seriously, if it's Burger King say that, it's, it's after a sponsor, is something already not okay. Yeah. So, yeah, and this is 
you can always see who is sponsor like all of this what they brought up is healthy or, mm-hmm. or not and what i've noticed too is uh and yeah i mean you've been overseas quite a bit um with your work but when i went to europe i noticed that you know they eat a lot differently than we do here whereas here we want as much as possible as fast as possible um you go to europe and the portion sizes are much smaller um you know they may eat more times in, during the day, uh, maybe like you call it grazing behavior, um, whereas here we eat like big meals and a lot of like sugar, added sugars and things like that. And you guys have a lot more um, like different, actually different kinds of seeds, like like heirloom seeds. Like we have Monsanto over here. That's right. Um, we have a lot of, well, Europe won't even accept our meat. We can't sell meat to them because they don't like really? it. Really? Yeah, like the antibodies we put in, the hormones and stuff like that. They so won't they even take accept it. accept the meat. So even if you go to like McDonald's or Burger King over there, like the meat is different. It is legitimately. It, d- it tastes it's, different. I'm not saying it does taste different, but um, I'm not saying it's good for you. But I will say that if you have the choice between a European McDonald's and American one, mm-hmm. European one is going to be slightly less bad for you. But I would also I say that. that a lot of times it's it's a lifestyle change too because uh, they they are a lot more active. There's a lot more walking involved. There's a lot more public transportation, so it's not going to take you straight to the doorstep that you need to go. Of course, a lot of people have cars there, but a lot less people have cars than they do over here. Absolutely, traffic uh, is terrible think about, think over about here. The HOV lane. Everyone driving to work every day, and Colorado's not nearly as bad. I've you know I've lived in Houston. And I've definitely been in L.A. for their rush hour, which you're literally going three miles an hour. Everyone is in their own car, myself included. I'm not saying I'm not part of the problem, because I am. But, you know, it's hard to complain about traffic, because if you're in traffic, you are traffic. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Uh, No, sorry uh, to interrupt. You said if you're in traffic, you are traffic. And right away, I was brought back to your initial question about being in the mind. <clears throat> so on the podcast, I talk a lot about this uh, idea of collective consciousness. So you're an individual consciousness. You're an individual consciousness. I'm an individual consciousness. My dogs are individual consciousness. But is there a piece of all of us that is always interconnected? We're all tied in like through this network. And you said if you're in traffic, you're part of traffic. So if you're in consciousness, if you're experiencing this thing that we're all experiencing, then, you know, maybe we are all a part of something much bigger than we all think we are, right? Um, And I feel that's what most religions call God, you know. Some people will put a person's face on it or, you know, put a bunch of different gods out there, right? But they're all talking about the same thing, which is what connects us all right and not only me to you and to you and to my dogs but us to the plants outside you know what connects me to um every atom in this room you know we're all connected um in vibration we're all connected uh in frequency we're all tied into some network and your traffic comment just reminded me of that um bringing it back to you know being in the mind but if we're all in it then we're all participating in something, right? And if we're if we're participating, we can choose to like take away from it or put something back into it and make it better. Um, just like we choose to take part in society, uh, we choose to take part in relationships, we choose to take part in 
all sorts of things and we can either give to it and make it better or we can take from it and make ourselves better. Um, but I think that's the same with consciousness too and mind, uh, collective mind too. Um, we have a choice. We can take from, from it and take from other people or give back. That's accurate. Um, but I mean, we're not just part of the collective consciousness of the people that are alive now. We're also a collective consciousness of all of our ancestors that came before us too mm-hmm. because we're all offspring from someone. So your family values are different from my family values, different from Camilla's family values, Callie's. Uh, I mean, everyone's perception, like we're talking about perception, is different. But wh- how did your perceptions become? It was the experience that you've had, what you were taught. And so uh, all these different viewpoints. But we are all absolutely connected together, but it's not just with the people that we're physically with right now. Mm-hmm. It's all the people that came before, mm-hmm. and we're contributing to all the people that are coming after. Mm-hmm. And it's about trying to get that net good we want it to go towards the positive side let's make a better world and it just takes the individuals like i believe that the 99 percent of people in the world just want to be good people but that's not enough you actually have to fight for it you can't just allow the bad people to control your lives like this corporation is bad uh what citibank citibank was terrible in the mortgage crisis Mm -hmm. they're still one of the biggest banks they helped destroy the economy for years. They ruined. And we bailed them out, right? Yeah. Well, we had to bail them out, like legitimately, because that's what I studied in fucked. college was yeah. economics. If if they didn't get bailed out, the economic overspill would have been horrendous. It would, yeah, it would have trickled down to everybody and everybody. Yep. The the sad part about that, but we're kind of getting off, is that there weren't any regulations from what they could do with that money. So what they ended up doing with that money is they took the money for free. And they took the 0% interest rate from the federal bank, uh, and they turned around and they bought government bonds for like Mm -hmm. 3%. They took free money, gave it back to the government at an interest rate. That blew my mind. But coming back to Citibank, and and they're just an example, is if you don't like the company, why are you still supporting them? Why do you still bank with them? The only reason they have money is because you're giving it to them. Like, pull your money out of them. You don't support them? Pull your money out. They'll disappear. You don't like the way they're doing business? Stop right. supporting them. Yeah, I tell people that in this country we have to like vote with our dollars. We do. Right? Like if you are against Starbucks, stop going to Starbucks. You're just giving them your money, right? Yeah. I I after that bank thing fell fell through in two thousand eight. It was right. It was, it was like, 2008, 2009. Yeah. I mean, I was getting um, to graduate college. It was rough out there. Yeah. I, I Jumped ship from like Wells Fargo, um, you know, closed all those big bank accounts. Now I only bank with like local credit unions and things like that, just because I feel like I can trust those people a little bit more. I walk in and they know my name, they know my face, they you have to you earn know. your business. Yeah, um, and you know, but you go into these big banks and they're just like they're just trying to pinch every penny off of you. Uh, I think they tried to even charge me a fee for leaving their bank. I bet they did. Well, uh, as far they leave the bank, and then they started coming up with a charge for you to actually be able to physically walk into the store and talk to a live teller. What? Yeah, no, that, I'm dead serious. I, I think it was Bank of America when I was living in Houston. Uh, I saw an account with them, and they came up with this thing saying that I opted out of the $12.50. I don't remember how much it was. But it, the fact that it was any monetary amount, that if I wanted to go in there, and deposit a check through an actual bank teller. There was a monthly fee Mm. that I had to pay. So, I mean, obviously, I just switch it to, I'm just going to make my deposit to the ATM. 
Right. They don't have to pay the ATM. No, like it's free. Oh, it's free. You know. Right. Uh, if you want to do it that way, but you won't talk to an actual human being. So it's, it's going towards that automation process too, so that they they can eventually phase out the bank tellers, or at mm-hmm. least not have to absorb the cost of employing people. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the movie Idiocracy? I love that movie. Yeah. Have you seen that movie? I, I don't know. Oh, you it. you have to show her that movie. So this movie is all about. Uh, it's I think it was made by the creators of Beavis and Butthead. It was my judge. judge uh, so it's all about what um, what the world culture is going to be like if America like took over the world pretty much, and like what it's going to be like in a hundred years. So like our president is a professional wrestler, which is actually pretty close to what it is now. He right? actually Donald, Donald Trump was an entertainer. Part, Donald Trump was part of WWE or something Actually, for a couple yes, of matches. He, was, yeah. he did a couple of matches. So oh, this no. so it just came true. Okay. So and then uh, other things are like outsourced, right? Like everything is taken care of by computer screen. If you go get a tattoo, you stick your arm in this hole okay, and it just yep, like yep. Poof, just tattoos your arm. Yep. Like everything is just automated like that. Your 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 couch in the living room also has a toilet. And you have like a hundred channels up on your thing. It's ridiculous, well, but you have to see it. It's, look, you're gonna laugh and be like, "Yeah, that's what I'm listening in right now." I'll just say, just after after the podcast, just get on YouTube, just look up the introduction scene to Idiocracy. Make up your mind and see if you want to see the movie. Uh, it, it makes it makes good points. Mike Judge is not a dumb person. Mike Judge has never been a dumb person. He's a very smart person. He has a really good dry way of showing some kind of mundane thing as being hilarious, but there has been a tremendous shift in what made America so great compared to what we see now is that we used to prize intelligence being the powerhouse, the economic powerhouse of the world because of our industry. Mm. And we have it so good that people stopped Working so hard because, oh, it, everything is so good. And we now we're an entertainment-based society. Mm-hmm. And so we're all just looking for a way to placate ourselves and dull our senses and dull our minds and enjoy ourselves. Because we should constantly be l- lounging about. Yep, just like this with our screens. Beep, beep, oh, beep, yeah. beep, 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 beep. Download 15 games a day. I have a guy I work with. He's a good guy. But he'll go through f- five different games a day. He'll just download one and be like, oh, I don't like this one. Oh, it's just mm-hmm. nonstop entertainment. Yeah. Nonstop entertainment, and 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 typically the loudest person in the room has the least amount to say. And you'll see a lot of people, and they follow they follow the loudest voice in the room because they don't really have thoughts of their own. Mm. So you have all these idiots convincing more people to be like them because they're fun, they're entertaining, mm. they know how to have a good time. In the opening scene, watch that. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, it's it's pretty exaggerated, but. But the idiot in question that keeps breeding, he's doing legitimately fun-looking stuff. Right, but in the beginning of the movie, it or when it first came out, right? Yeah. When the movie came out, it seemed like way... Like, those examples are way too extreme. That'll never happen. And then now, I think the movie's like 10 or 15 years old, and like some of these things are actually coming true. Yeah. And you're like, oh my god, we are so screwed, <laughs> you know? Um yeah, I, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, I was reminded, too, when you walked into the studio 
when you first walked in, you saw this picture of Bruce Lee here. This is my favorite picture of him, by the way. I think he looks so badass with his mustache. Yeah, I never right? saw. I wanted to say I never saw him with that. I was like, first for a moment, maybe I'm wrong, but <laughs> it's it's must him. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he looks amazing there. So <laughs> ju- this is what this is what I'm reminded of. Even though he was Chinese, I'm s- I'm still reminded of um cla- or of classic American culture. In which, you know, all this um, this new stuff is built on, right? Like, when I think of classic American culture, I think of, like, John Wayne and Bruce Lee and, and actors like that. Like, that's the media that people would consume. And, and um, you know, it seemed like there was more honor uh, out there among everybody. You know, actors were putting out more positive examples and also negative examples. There were a lot of movies where women were getting slapped around and stuff, but... Mm-hmm. You know, that was um, some cultural things that had to change over time as well. But this is, that's what it reminded me of, is this picture. This is actually a picture of my grandma, too. Uh, she's wearing her judo gi back in the 1950s. That is awesome. Right? That's that's one of my favorite pictures of her. So she's a martial artist way back in the day, too. Um, that was not back when men were men. That was not a traditional role for women to Mm-mm. fit. No, not at all. Well, and it wasn't traditional to be practicing... Uh, Eastern or Asian arts. Right, martial arts from over there. Yeah, especially at that time. Some of our coolest presidents, though, in the U.S. have, um, I looked this up, most of our cool presidents have (laughs) been martial artists in some way, like uh, wrestlers or judo fighters. Yep, uh, wrestlers, Wrestlers. judo, uh, some of them were boxers. um, And that's something that I've thought that this country needs is like, no more presidents that don't know how to fight. Like, there's not going to be any more war in this world. Like, if, if one country hates another country, the two presidents are going to fight. <laughs> and whoever wins, wins. wins. Right. And uh, we would be screwed because we have Donald Trump. Um, I think Vladimir Putin from Russia uh, yeah, would, yeah, like, yeah. clean house. Everybody. He's he's uh, yeah, he's legit yeah. martial artist. Um, and, uh, yeah, so our next president needs to be somebody who can fight. I think that's a good idea. Well, I mean, I think it's a lot easier to put someone else's life on the line than your own. Oh, yeah. And you ha- you take orders from the president himself. Of course. Then, you know, down the chain. So, well, I mean, that's how does that feel, taking orders from somebody, even if you don't, like, believe in that the decisions they're making are right? Like, that's got to be so hard. It is. No, and, that, is a very, yeah. that is a very... I, like, I could just quit a job. Is, it's... Do you remember... My freshman year when I was in Air Force ROTC? Yeah. Yeah. And I dropped out of the program because I was going through that whole process of, I don't necessarily agree with what's going on, and that was me making my decision. I don't I don't have to re-enlist in the military. Right. Uh, my contract is up in 2021. I'm probably going to re-enlist. I enjoy what I'm doing. And it's not like, it's not like President Trump is telling me to go kill babies or do all these horrible things. Like, I have my job, we have our responsibilities, and we tend to be uh, utilized in very sanctioned ways. We're not just a personal army for him. He can't just do whatever he wants. I mean, he still has to go through channels. Yes, he can declare war. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, no, I apologize. He cannot declare war. That takes an act of Congress. Mm -hmm. But he can deploy troops with executive action. But... Against, you know, things that the the American people might not... You know, I don't think the American people agree with 
most of the conflict that we're creating overseas, you know, but we, again, we just allow it to happen uh, probably because we don't get to see it very often. So that's another reason why I'm glad you're here is you can speak to that too. Well, there's always, well we always have a nice little cover story. Right. I, I love the summer blockbuster topic. Um, racism, people shouldn't trust someone that isn't their race. Uh, then I remember one summer it was don't trust the opposite gender. It was all about rapes. And what, we just had that not too long ago with the whole me too thing, mm-hmm. which is a whole another topic, uh, about not trusting one another. And it's not about trusting anyone equally. The, it's not what they're trying to convey. It's just don't trust anyone. Only trust us. Right. Only trust the people that are feeding you this information. We're the only ones here on your side. Mm-hmm. Like I was stationed in Norfolk, Virginia, which is a very, I love that place. That's an awesome base. Do you? Because I hated the traffic. (laughs) No, I mean the base down there in Norfolk is awesome. Naval Station Norfolk? Yeah. Yeah, and I I worked there for uh, four years with my last squadron. And Black Lives Matter was going on when I was there. And like I said, it's a pretty racially diverse city. I didn't have any effect on it. I didn't feel like I was being persecuted as... uh, and especially because I'm a bald white man. And I never really got targeted as if I was some kind of white supremacist. Mm-hmm. I was just a person. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it's like to be black because guess what? I'm not. Yep. But I would ask my friends that are black if they were getting any kind of thing like that. Because it, it is about perspective. And I like hearing people's perspectives. Because everyone is going through a struggle that you might not know. And, and no one in the whole base was really feeling like it was as big of a deal as it was being made out in the media, which is, to me, more real life, hmm. is that a lot of these issues aren't nearly as big as the media is making it out to be. Sure, and certain issues are way bigger than the media makes them out to be. Like, the media will minimize things, too, mm-hmm. you know, just as much as they blow things out of proportion, Um and I don't know how news is internationally, but I know that within our within our country, um, like there's very tight controls on what people are being fed. You know, it's like uh, I feel like there is like a puppet master up there, like showing showing the American people exactly what we want them to believe. You know, this is what we're going to tell them today is going on around the world. Um, very few news outlets, I think, actually show you what's actually going on. Um, or even ask other countries what their perception of America is and America's actions. You know, we just only see it from our perspective, which I think is terrible, terribly damaging to other cultures. But for me, I see a big difference, like in Europe, is you are not a hero if you are in the army, because you're going, so we see that you're going the half world to travel and kill people. That's not a hero. If somebody come to your country, wanna kill you? Of course, you wanna save your home. Right. But like you, so it's you going to other country. It's like I don't know. We don't see that like a hero. But in America, yeah. this is a big deal. Oh, you are a hero because you are Some in the army. Some movies, yeah. So in in Europe, you don't wanna enjoy the army at all. Mm. You don't wanna hurt people. You not cool. That is not like like in America. It's cool to be a gangster. Oh, I'm a gangster. Mm-hmm. I'm selling drugs and like rap is a good music, like speaking bad words. So he, I don't know, is I think is here 
some I, I don't know the polit of course the politics they push them to do that but I don't know if if you could do that in in Europe like in in my country to say people go there and kill these people because they bad mm-hmm. I don't know they would do that or not but I don't think they would be so much agree about it yeah um yeah well definitely in our culture like we we have like classic movies like rambo yeah right yeah, yeah, where yeah. like the the yeah, military yeah. person oh, is the hero yeah. you know and so all when i when i was growing up as a kid like me and my little brother would pretend play that we we're soldiers all the time yeah, that's what we grow up playing you know um conflict you know and then so it makes sense why we why we would view them as heroes here. So if they're not heroes, then what uh, what what are they viewed like in Europe? Like if if they're not heroes, then what what are they instead? We don't really nobody really want to enjoy the army, so right. it doesn't even. Yeah, true. It's, it's, they don't even. So it was they have to go everybody, yeah. and now I don't. Say yeah, so. I don't even see uh, many European countries even involved in conflict away from their homelands anyway right so when i when i picture european soldiers i'm immediately picture like world war one or world war two where they're literally defending their homes yeah, where they're from yeah. right that's when yeah. you see europeans fight yeah. is defending their home but i mean these days i don't know i don't see europeans as much as americans like intervening away from home yeah you know really. uh, that's something i like about jesse ventura do you like him you know who he is? Don't know who he is. You don't know so who Jesse Ventura is? I, I apologize. Have you don't. seen the movie Predator? Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I have not. Oh my goodness! I know. I know. I'm terrible. Uh, I haven't seen it. Uh, anyway, Jesse Ventura is an ex Navy SEAL. Um, lives in Mexico now. Yeah. Okay. Lives in Mexico now, but he was in the movie Predator, um, and uh, he was governor of Minnesota, and um, the the only reform candidate to ever win. Uh, so anyway, uh, he had this presidential campaign and um, didn't go very well, but he wanted to pull all soldiers, American soldiers, back um, from any foreign um, outposts or, you know, bases. I don't know how. Bring uh, them all home. Right. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, understand we've that. heard that a lot from a lot of different presidents, but he was the first one I believed. But tactically, it's not necessarily the best thing. Like, I Absolutely mean, not. You know, we spend the most amount on, of money on the military. We mm-hmm. have probably the most superior capabilities, and I'm not saying that because I'm biased. I'm saying that because I think that, objectively speaking, we have the mm-hmm. most advanced military. And we still could, even if we spent half as much. I don't know if that's true. See, now that's the thing is, I don't know. Uh, here, okay, you know what? Talking about half as much. Uh, I think half. Let's of, talk about. Yeah. Let's talk about pay cuts. They talk about. Oh, mm. here's how much we can afford to pay military members. Oh. A two percent raise—that's so tremendous. It is—it is a lot. There's a lot of people in the military that does add up. But I was telling you earlier, yeah, one screw. Avoid, yeah, avoid things that say military grade because military grade means that there's a contractor that manufactures this one particular component, and when it breaks, you can legally only get a replacement from this one kind. We all get a screw that you could go to Home Depot and pay five cents for. We uh, literally had a screw, and it's only good. For 400 flight hours, $125 to replace one screw. And there's mm-hmm. 80 of them in that panel. That's, and That's why jets cost so much. Money, like, you want to talk about cutting money? Like, How about if any competitor can make that part, we can buy it? 
That, that screw should be 15 cents. Right, and cut the money. $25. Yeah. That's insanity. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about cutting money. Yeah, we could save a lot if we didn't have someone that had some kind of affiliation that awarded their best friend the contract right. to manufacture this thing. It's just incredibly asinine. We have we have a part actually on a piece of gear that I'm that we've been working on for a while right now. That it's it's a it's a switch that has resistors in it, and as you move the pendant up, it adds more resistance. When you move it down, it it adds more resistance than, uh, on the negative side of the voltage. So the manufacturer gave us a quote saying it was going to be thirty two thousand dollars to replace that one part. Like that should replace the whole test set, mm-hmm. and we're still working on it, trying to get down to a reasonable number. But uh, that's insanity. Like I could manufacture one of these mm-hmm. for probably a hundred fifty bucks. So let's go to a local CC mill, and then I could use my soldering skills to put a 10, uh, 10 ohm resistor on each side of the slide. Sure, done. So, yeah, and yeah, I mean, you mentioned that uh, you know. Maybe not pulling everybody back would be a good idea, but um, a lot of our military is devoted to maintaining, you know, peace. Yeah, well, that yeah, well, that's what they say, maintaining peace. Um, but maintaining presence, maintaining bases in strategic places, so that if something does happen, then we're yeah, then we're in a good place to react to it. Um, Which is smart. Yeah, absolutely ta- smart. Tactically, it's very smart. No, smart, but it's also misused like a lot of different things of course. Uh, like ev- like almost everything is um, it can be exploited it can be used by the wrong people for the wrong reasons or it can be used for the right reasons for good yeah. things for humanitarian work you know those those military and we do do a lot of humanitarian sure. work but yeah way. i mean think about like those military lines of transportation that can get 10,000 troops on the ground within you know 48 hours mm-hmm. you could use those same methods to get you know 50,000 tons of supplies to people who are starving to death you know in the same area um so i'm saying like these Funding. these technologies uh these these methods can be used for good or they can be used for not so good things you know absolutely i agree mm-hmm. um, but it's about funding is is this humanitarian effort worth our time and typically we're going to say no we'll leave it up to the red cross we'll leave it up to Right, but they don't have the money to do that I stuff. That. Uh, World Health Organization. We'll do it. Mm-hmm. We'll leave it for FEMA. Uh, we'll leave it for whoever else. Um, it's a matter of what we think is important. And right, is, but is who's there we? Media coverage. Is there enough media coverage right. on this particular event? Like, uh, who's we though? When you say what we think is important. I'm talking about America overall. Like, I don't think America support. overall thinks it thinks it's most important for us to be fighting others i think most of us think it's more important to be doing peaceful work and or humanitarian work i mean i could be wrong there's a lot of there's a lot of evil people i don't think really america cares you're right so then so then we is not america basketball baseball so then america's silence is the we who's who's not doing anything but then who's pulling the strings who's people that have the most to gain yeah, exactly. Given the contracts to their friends and things. Yeah, talking about nutrition, uh, who's backing the study? If Burger mm-hmm. King and McDonald's are backing the study, then it's going to benefit them the most. Mm-hmm. If Halliburton is backing, oh man, backing the study, what wasn't <laughs> it? Get the most money. Wasn't it uh, during 
Bush Jr.'s presidency that Halliburton was awarded all rights to rebuilding Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah, and... Or Iraq or something it, uh, like that. Dick Cheney, one of the primary oh, yeah. shareholders yep. of Halliburton? So it's like... Big oh, scandals. So billions and billions and billions of dollars. You just literally handed yourself billions of dollars. It doesn't even mean that you have to do the job right or well. Nope. You're just the only person that can do it. That's giving a yep. monopoly to someone. Yep, just like the guy who manufactures the screw. Just like the guy that manufactures He has a monopoly screw. on it. Yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah. So it, it's it's just it's the good old boy system. Um, it's the good right. old boy system. Well, our system is is too stuck on um, military. Power. Yeah, power. And that's all the military. Military. I'm not saying military is bad, right? I'm saying well, not, the way it's used is bad. Uh, but the way it's used to gain power or to hold power or to impose power over others is not not good. Yeah, I think that you're right. You know, that's that's probably our biggest um, downside as a country is that we are we think we're are, we're too big for our britches. Does that make sense? <laughs> it like, does. like where we think we're uh, we, number one, we think we're more powerful than we really are, um, and that's all we're after. All we're after is that power. Um, but the pow- power doesn't bring happiness. You know, power over things doesn't bring you any happiness. Um, so I think we were maybe going after the wrong thing. I don't even know how that would would have gotten started. You know, when we started as a country a couple hundred years ago, we weren't seeking power. We were seeking freedom and independence, right? Which is what you said, like, you know, you guys view America as like, you can be free there, right? Well, yeah, you can, but we're not focused on the freedom. We're, now we're focused on this this entertainment industry and all these other things you're talking about. Like lost focus. Uh, that's true. Power, power, power. Well, think about it in this perspective too: is uh, human nature, especially when it comes to war, is you know kill your neighbor before they come kill you. We're living the most peaceful time of mm-hmm. human that's society true. right now. Yeah. Uh, even though it's still pretty turbulent, this is the most peaceful it's ever been, and we are still all here united under this idea of the United States of America. We might not necessarily trust one another or stand for the national anthem, all that kind of stuff aside, but at the end of the day, we're in America, so we trust us. But you don't trust the countries you're not supposed to trust, the people that are so different from us, uh, or, you know, portrayed as so different from us. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, the extremist uh, Muslims like ISIS, Al-Qaeda, all of them, they are nuts. They are crazy. They do need to be stopped. But you think that there's no Christian branches out in the world doing the same kind of terroristic attacks? There are. Mm-hmm. And they're perceived as such, too. Mm-hmm. Like, there are bad people in this world. So you don't put it on nationality. But but the thing is, think about it this way, is when it comes to the military, is who would you rather have power, us or someone else? But why does there have to be one that has more power than the other? There doesn't have to be, but people... Overall, I understand that that's how it is currently. Yeah. Because we don't realize there's enough resources right. for everyone to share yeah, and all... then some. Well, the, but there are. There, there absolutely is. But everyone thinks that everything is so scarce. Right. Yeah, we have that scarcity mindset. <laughs> there's not going to be enough. Um, yeah, it just, I don't know. I think from from a distance looking at, at our pursuit for power, 
I mean, it just, um, it doesn't ring very well because I think of like some of the other civilizations at their peak, you know, the Greeks, the Romans, mm-hmm. uh, the Egyptians, like they got power hungry. They got greedy. They started to do things like Napoleon. Power is very expensive to maintain. That's true. And that's, yeah, that's probably why we spend so much unnecessary money in this country is because we're trying to maintain that power. But again, we're going after the wrong thing because power corrupts and power is the downfall of all these other civilizations before us. We're not learning anything from history. No, we we're, just keep doing the same thing. Over right. Over yeah. We're, results. Exactly. We're like, no, we're America. We're going to do the same thing that all these other countries did, but we're doing it differently. So we will be just fine but no it's gonna collapse you know it should have collapsed with the banks before in 2008 that should have been our big wake-up call when everything our whole economy was supposed to collapse and then we have uh you know a national disaster because everyone's out of a home which should have happened and would have snapped us out of this this cycle but yeah, but no, we rest. Oh yeah, well so that's kind of crazy. Yeah, well the bubble. How few people own like, homes because of that, and they're still so expensive. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Oh, sorry, I interrupted. No, that's fine. That's uh-huh. actually a good uh, time for a quick commercial break. So we'll be right back. Conversations with the Mind podcast is sponsored by mindops.com. You can find us at www.mind-ops.com. We're an eclectic counseling company providing mental health and mental performance services to individuals, small and large groups, teams, businesses, military, through face-to-face sessions or at a distance using phone or confidential video chat apps. We bring a unique Buddhist Western lens and specialize in general psychotherapy for all mental difficulties, sport and performance psychology for performance enhancement, addiction counseling for any maladaptive or destructive habits, and psychedelic integration therapy to make the most from your visionary medicine work. We are available as well for corporate workshops to address the needs of your employees' wellness. And now to the good news story. All right, so we're back here for section two. And you said you want you had a question for me, a personal question, and I said that's a perfect question for the podcast. Let's go ahead and ask again. Yes, so some years ago, I did uh, study to meditate, and uh, then I was reading about meditation experience, and I would like to know, I think because we are in Colorado, you're smoking sometimes, mm-hmm. so... I don't really want to smoke, but this would be a reason I would try. I would like to know what's different to meditate if you're high or just if you're not high. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so I think that's a great question. Uh, a lot of people probably ask themselves that question too. And um, so I'll talk first about just my experience um, and talking mostly about cannabis, about weed, um, because you can be high on all sorts of things. Um, and you could meditate on all, all sorts of different substances too. Um, so for instance, I mean, I had another podcast, I think where I was talking to somebody about, um, meditating while on LSD or on mushrooms or on something like that. Um, and that's a whole different thing. But, um, for me, like meditating when I'm totally clear headed, totally sober, uh, nothing in my system, it, um, it has a, a sharpness to it. Um, I don't know how to put it. Because like, my meditations will vary. Sometimes I'll get images 
Sometimes it'll just be feelings. Sometimes it'll be energy. Sometimes it will be, um, you know, just awareness of my breath and like what the feelings are in my body. Sometimes like my heartbeat will just be like, boom, boom. And that's all I can concentrate on. Right. So depending on whatever comes up, um, if I'm totally sober in the moment, everything seems sharper. So, um, the edges are a little sharper, but my attention can also get too, yeah, too focused in on one thing in particular because of the sharpness, right? Like I might have my eyes closed and I'll get a, a vision of a memory and it'll be really clear, but my attention will go into it so much that I will get lost in the distraction of the memory instead of just going back and focusing on nothing. So that's an issue sometimes. However, um, I feel like when I've been sober sometimes in really deep meditation states, I can I can get myself high with no drugs at all, right? So then all of a sudden I'll feel total bliss. Um, I can get to places where it'll feel like I'm on ecstasy or something, but I'm not on anything. Or like I will have the most psychedelic hallucinations and things and travel to other places and talk to other beings in other dimensions and uh, I've astral projected so I felt like my spirit has like left my body and I've traveled around before so in sober states I can have I can create those altered states right um, and there's nothing inherently wrong with the drug a drug is a drug is a drug a drug causes an altered state away from normal mind right same with uh, pills you take right all it does it changes your mind away from what is normal um, whether that means less pain or, um, you know, more energy with Ritalin or whatever. So um, when I meditate, when I'm high on cannabis, um, the edges are a little fuzzier. So I may see the same memory, but it'll be not in as much detail. Um, and that can be good and bad, right? It can be good if I'm trying not to get distracted by images or sounds and I can just, like, kind of zone out and zone as i zone out i zone into just focusing on nothing right when you smoke weed you kind of are just okay with not doing anything and not thinking anything in the moment when you're not on cannabis if that happens i don't you don't smoke cannabis but most people when they reach this point just throughout your day where your mind just stops and it goes blank most people are like, oh, God, I got to do something. Something's wrong, right? Because nothing's happening. That's what we want. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's, uh, the, that's getting away from the stress. All the stress is up here. When you calm your mind, all that stress melts away. And so when you're, when you're high on cannabis, um, it makes everything a little less fuzzy. So you're less focused on any, dis- any particular distraction that comes around. It's all just kind of fuzzy noise in the background and it makes it easier for me to be able to just really hone in and focus on what I'm really trying to pay attention to Um, whether it's my breath or most of the time um, actually most of my meditations I'm just trying to be present with whatever is happening in my mind so um, I don't know if you remember from college days but sometimes when you smoke weed you get a little paranoid you get a little like And it's not because there's anything weird going on, but it's because you're you're up here in your thoughts too much, right? And you start having weird thoughts. Uh, not weird, but you start paying more attention to like, 
oh, why are we alive? What is this thing? You know, why am I in this body? Um, you know, I wonder what people think about me, you know, those kind of thoughts. And if you get caught in those loops, then you start to like freak out a little bit, right? Because they're, you're self-conscious. Um, can verify, yeah. Yeah, but sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes when you smoke weed, all that just goes away too. Like yep. when I smoke, uh, I almost smoke weed every time I do jujitsu when I'm training, almost every day. Every time I go lift weights, every time I go for a run, I'll smoke a little weed right before um, because it allows me to just tune out all the BS from the day and really be in the activity that I'm doing, right? So then my mind is not spinning about work or it's not thinking about my relationship. It's not thinking about what I'm going to do after meditation. It's not thinking about what I just ate and why my belly's grumbling, you know? It just fogs all that, all the noise. And it's kind of like just putting on these headphones, just like like smoke some weed, just be like, ah, no, now I can't hear any of that distraction. So that's what it does for me. Um, but it also makes activities more meditative for me. So I'll smoke before I go for a run, like I said, and I'll feel like I'm meditating the whole time I'm running because my mind will just be clear or snowboarding, right? Oh, yeah. At the top of the mountain, you, you smoke a little weed and then the whole time you're going down the mountain, you're not thinking about anything. You're just right there and you're in the zone and the it's, moment. it's like a meditation because you're totally present and you're in nature and it's so beautiful. So I think cannabis helps enhance that piece. Like it really puts you in that moment. Um, but it can also throw you for a spin sometimes if you, if you get stuck on, um, you know, the thoughts that you start having. Right. But that's why we practice, right? What kind of meditation do you do? I uh, just a normal listening to mantras and mm. trying to, so I, so I, when I was first time trying to meditate, not thinking, it doesn't really work like if you just try first. Mm -hmm. So you have to repeat something and you, after forget everything, you just stuck on the repeating. So that's why I was listening to mantras and, and trying to chatting, chanting the mantras. Mm -hmm. So that's how. But for me, it's very difficult. Yeah, for sure. When they very. say stop thinking, yeah, it's like, doesn't really it doesn't work. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can still <laughs> sit like a stone. When yeah. I first time, uh, I was like, but you know what's also interesting? Like, I used to have a friend, and he was Hindi. So that's how I got there. And he said, okay, let's meditate. And I said, I never did. I don't know how to do that. And the first time... We did sit 20 minutes. I said, I can't do that. There's no way that I can still sit 20 minutes. Right, you start freaking out, right? <laughs> yeah, but you know what was interesting? I could do that. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't meditating, but I could still, still sit still. He mm -hmm. couldn't. He was meditating, but he was more, more, moving much more. And he said, wow, you are really like a stone. And I said, yeah, I grew up in the communism. I can control my body, <laughs> but not really my mind. Mm. <laughs> but what's interesting, so we went to India, and he said, be going for a one hour meditation. I said, no way, as is, is, I can't even sit or not going to the bathroom one hour. I'm a woman. And she, he said, no, no, you, you get, you can do that. And I said, I can't believe this. So, but there is what a lot of people. So, and there it, um, come the guru and they, we started to meditate and I started as well. And you believe it or not how he said, you are not alone. You can do that. And is when they said, you know, um, I was like, no way, this was an hour. Mm -hmm. and said, this was an hour. And I was like, wow, it's really true. 
when more people meditate together, and especially if you meditate with someone who meditate long time, you can you can do it much easier, and you can really come deeper. Mm-hmm. So it's I can how to you can really connect. It's it's really much 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 deeper and easier, and this is is a different. So it it was really a big experience to meditate with a lot of people and so when yeah. you're meditating is is your goal to clear your mind of everything yeah, okay not thinking so that sounds more like like zen meditation from japan right where you're just trying uh so it's also called like no mind just clear it all out there um which is a it's a great technique um but like your mind is active throughout the day right it's yeah, it's yeah, always, always even when you're sleeping Right, it's always going. So it's. I think it's the nature of the mind to just work, even if you're not intentionally thinking about something. It's always doing something in the background. There's always something turning back there. There's always associations being made. So um, there's so many different types of meditation too. I love it. Like one of my favorite ones is um, observer mind meditation, where you instead of trying to stop all the mental chatter, you let it just go. You let it go free, but you remove yourself from the chatter so instead of like in our everyday like we're engaging with our thoughts we're asking ourselves questions but if you just like took your your perspective down there and just pulled it up here so now you're just watching everything happen as it's unfolding but you're not interacting with it um observer there was a name i didn't know there was a name for the kind of thing that i do that's my thing is i'll i'll just let the thoughts go i just won't Mm -hmm. dwell on any of them i'll just be like just let them go Mm -hmm. just think about it and just move on Mm -hmm. just let them go. So um, yeah, and then there's different layers. So there's there's being up here and just letting the mind go and just letting it run and run and run, and then you can start to look at look at the thoughts happening as they're happening and and see patterns in your thinking, and you can start to see like every time something like this happens, I automatically think this, right? So then you get to another level, and that's called like metacognition, which is thinking about thinking. Right, so now you're thinking about why do I think this way about these things? Why do I hold these beliefs? Why are these my values? How am I conditioned and programmed by my country or by my my leaders or whoever, by my friends? And then you know, there's even more levels. I've met monks in Thailand that have, you know, they just let their mind go all during the day, but they only engage with like five thoughts all day long. But they really go deep with those thoughts. So they'll just watch their mind go and they'll be like, oh, now that's a thought that I really want to look into. And then they'll spend like the next three, four hours just focusing and meditating like mantra almost on that one thought. And the depth of information that comes, it's like getting a direct connection, like a straight download. Um, I love the mantra work too because um, it's a great way to turn off your own chatter, right? If yeah. Because if you if you just let the mind go, it's going to go. But if you give it a job, if you tell it one thing to focus on and just keep focusing on it, it will do only that thing, which is so great because you can just do a mantra, like even the OM mantra, like just OM, OM, like long. Um, if you only focus on that, all other thought is going to leave your, your mind. Exactly. All other concept of time, of space, you are only going to be that chant in that moment. And it's so, it's, uh, I don't know. How do you, how do you feel like when you're doing it? Cause I always feel like electrified, like I'm floating and charged up. 
So to me was um, when the first mantra I learned from my friend and said, you should always teach me a first mantra. So, but I just realized I had my own mantra all of my life. Mm-hmm. I used to always say in, in my mind always, I'm happy and beautiful. I'm happy and beautiful. I used to say that too. This mm-hmm. is a kind of mantra. Absolutely. Because you just say the same repeat and repeat. And I just realized I did all, all of my life. Like, I don't know, from the teenagerhood, I start to say that always. Mm-hmm. And then, like, now I still, even if I'm not um, meet with this commu- community, I'm don't, not going to them anymore because I'm not there, but I still say that mantra. And I, to me, also, is very good to meditate if I just focus on my breath. Mm-hmm. Like, and this also, just breathe very deep and this also helped me. But now a long time I didn't meditate, and I really was missing it now. Mm-hmm. I was feel like I should start again. Yeah, so the focus on the breathing is, is a great place for anybody to start with meditation. It's the same thing. We're doing the same thing over and over, but in different ways. You're mm-hmm. giving your mind one task to focus on, and that's it. Just, just do that. So with the focus on the breath... Just focus on the yeah, breath. Exactly. Any thoughts come up, any smells come across your nose, I don't care. Just focus on the breath, right? Like if you're sitting there focusing on the breath and, you know, your dog walks by and licks your face, you're going to feel that and it's going to distract you. But um, don't let your thoughts just like spin off. Get back on what you're trying to focus on, right? Same with yours. But I'll say, yeah. I mean, that, that's actually an interesting point. You said get your mind back on uh, track, on thoughts you want to focus on. Right. So the ones that are going to help you the most. Ah, there's so many thoughts that aren't (laughs) is what's going to help you the most. Uh, I think, I think reasonably speaking, every single person on this planet has or will, or is currently going through a state of being overwhelmed. Mm. Just being life is pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, there's so much in your life. You want to fix it and you want to fix it all right now. Mm. And, and sure, they're important to you, but it, you've it's you got to take them one piece at a time. So it's it's really easy to get overwhelmed. And right now, I've been good for a while, but I'm sure it'll happen again. There will be a whole bunch of things in my life that I'll feel like I let go from my control, things that I wasn't staying conscious on. And then one day, I'll come back to it, and I'll I'll just be paralyzed, not knowing what to do, and. And with practice, with meditation, I'm not going to say I sit around and I meditate because I really don't. I get in the moments where like, I feel like it's beneficial, and I'll do it when I, I guess it's convenient. Um, I'm not saying that's a good thing. but It's better than nothing. But I, I do try to stay on a very conscious level mm-hmm. in my regular day-to-day life and try to look at things from a more objective um, more objective stance on it. Um, in college, when we knew each other, I was a nervous wreck. Like, a lot of times. Oh, you are a pretty oh, nervous guy. Dude, we would go out on the town, like, almost every night of the week. It was terrible. We were, yeah, we were in college. Right. Yeah. And we were freshmen, too. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, man, I, you know, I remember you being, you know, pretty nervous. Um, not around us, of course. No, no, around yeah. us, you opened up a lot more. But, like, when we would go out... Um, you know, you'd either be, you know, a little a little sheltered or you'd be over humorous, like to um, very grand choice with it. Like, right. I, just, I would go to one or the either. Right. I'm still kind of in that zone, to be honest. I'm getting better at it. 
but it's a matter of conscious effort. Right. That's and, that's the that's the key is like as long as you're trying to make effort and trying to figure out what's going on in your own mind in your own life, I think that's the best you can do, right? Um, none of us are going to be perfect at any of this stuff. We don't know any of it. But, um, yeah, I don't, you know, I haven't seen you in 10 years, but right away when I saw you tonight at dinner and gave you a big hug, you know, I did not get that same feeling from you, like, oh, this is the same nervous Neil from before. I don't get that sense from you. I can tell that you've done a lot of, like, growing and, and changing over the last 10 years, uh you know, when you've lived all over the place and we haven't seen each other. I mean, but we still get back together and we, we connect. Like you said, we, we pick up where we did, where we left off. But I've changed a lot since then. You've changed a lot since then. We both got married since then. You know, it's it's pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, I just want to say thank you for for being here and being a part of this and, you know, sharing your sharing your guys thoughts on on all this stuff. Um. So your meditation is more formal, right? You do do you do it daily? No, I, I'm very how I said I. Um, no, it is really also like that. Is nobody around me who do that lifestyle, mm. and I lost it as well. Mm-hmm. But I realize I miss it, and I want to start it again because mm-hmm. it's um, it's bring bring a peace in your life, and yeah. I, I I'm sure I need it. It's, it's because it was much, it's a different level, how you think and how you see the world, what's important and what's not. Right. And you're talking about being overwhelmed too. Sometimes being overwhelmed is like focusing too much on the things that aren't important. Yeah. But I learned that in, in yeah. India. Like, don't, for example, I, we just was talk about today. He was driving and I said, so somebody heard you, you get mad about that person. That's just affect you because the bur- person don't feel what you feel. If you get angry, mm-hmm. this is just bad for you, yep. not for the other person. So try not to touch to everything, not not touch to every feeling. Don't give too much feeling what is not important. Right. So I say don't, don't attach give too you. much feeling. But I don't think you should deny part of your human nature. Um, one of the things actually that I think you remember about me was. I was very passive. Hmm. Like I, I had a lot of anger, but I would just keep it internalized. Yeah, we all had a lot of anger. I was I expressed mine more externally. Yeah, but, <laughs> we, you, but the thing is, yeah. you have to figure out how to vent it. So, sure. so even when it comes to what I was just talking about, is like I don't mind having a little burst of anger. Um, it's not like I'm getting to this burst of anger where I read out and I'm going to do something horrible. I might just get angry, but there it is. This is the reality, and now it is gone. Like, and move on from that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, it was unhealthy for me to keep all of that in. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a problem with just letting it go. Like, that's just me actually being more in the moment, personally. And everyone reacts differently, because everyone is different. So I might get mad about something very stupid, which is absolutely true. But how, that's what I see also. You was asked about how I see Americans. Mm. Americans get angrier and more louder and more than Europeans. Like, and the word, like the F word, you guys using so normal. 
Yeah, it's what like, is for us is yeah. you are it's not, even not a bad intelligent. Thing yeah, but like, for us, oh, yeah. if you use it, you are not intelligent. You are a dumb person if you use that word, like the F word, all mm-hmm. the time. And here is like. It's fashion. It's like cool. Right. It's cool. I don't. Yeah. I, yeah, it's I, cool. Now I we're feel, coming back to an earlier topic, yeah. talking about what kind of people are leading the right. future. But I feel I feel terrible when I when I curse. I hardly ever curse. Uh, I curse around more people that are cursing at me, <laughs> just to try and like have them understand what I'm saying sometimes. But it, very rarely in my everyday language do I curse, and it may, it actually makes me feel bad inside when I do. Like squeeze squeeze one of those words out, you know. Sometimes it it can be used for effect, right? But I can see what you're saying. Like here in American culture, it's the cool thing to do. It's in all the music. It's in all the movies. Um, all those yeah. heroes are using that kind of language. But typically, in those things, they are pretty. I'll say a lot of the media nowadays really, really, really caters to the lowest common denominator. What do you mean? It's the most broad audience possible. Oh, yeah. And like, most media is only written at like an eighth grade level, yeah, too. Because that's what most people, yeah, most people can only read at that level. Yeah, and what, in eighth grade yeah. is when you start using all the swear words like regularly because yeah. you're learning them and you're cool. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of a rite of passage here, but we're just dumbing it down. People mm-hmm. are choosing to be ignorant. Mm. People choose to. Um, they don't have to listen to all this stuff, but they choose to. Uh, God, what's what's a good example right now? Is most rap music, actually most rap music, um, I think overall has pretty negative image imagery. Not all of it, but a lot of it is more more or less to keep blackface stereotypes alive. I actually wrote a paper on that in college. Mm. Uh. It was a study, it was a critical hip-hop studies, and everyone thought it was a blow-off class, but it was with Dr. Rabaka. I don't know if you remember him. Mm-hmm. Very well-respected uh, Africana professor. Several books, and we got to write a paper about what we learned in the class. And I was talking about how the mainstream rap industry is around to keep stereotypes alive. Mm. Like, when you think about... Nicki Minaj, your Cardi B right now. Right, so it's the media, I believe, is to keep that division yeah, um, alive. Yeah, but that's because it's easier to control an entire population. When if they're divided. divided. Yeah. Because if you're different than me, but I trust overall whoever this is, then now this person has control over both of us by not having us team up against it. Right. So, um, yeah, that's just... But coming back to the whole swearing thing, I swear a lot <laughs> at work. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've sworn at all since I've been on this show. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to listen to it again. But Does he I've swear been... around you? <laughs> Does he swear like a sailor around you? I probably do. No, I legitimately probably do. But now that I'm on vacation. Away it's, from it's that environment? Yeah, just sure. away from the environment because it is a very casual thing. You hear it all day. Oh, yeah. It's just part of the language. Yeah, it's just part of the language. Know, depending on who you're to talking to. <laughs> And that's just how everyone talks to everyone, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, not really. I didn't no. meet with some of them who never used that word in America. No, 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 I'm not talking about... Uh, I'm, not, I'm talking about me at work, uh, in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone yeah. is smart in the military, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's uh, not everyone. <laughs> just, yeah, let's just be honest. Most people 
George Carlin said it the best. Think of your average American. Mm-hmm. Pretty stupid, right? And well, like I said, average American has an eighth grade reading level. Yeah. But that means that half the country is dumber than that person. Yeah, totally. And that's it's scary. terrifying. Yeah. So, so I work with some... Some would I, say I, that you know what, I work is, with yeah. very good people. Like, they might not... Mm-hmm. Not all of them might not necessarily be the smartest people, but... Most every single one of them has a good heart. Yeah, you don't have to be smart to have a good heart. Yeah, and they're trying to do the right things. Oh, I wanted to ask this question on the air because uh, I brought it up at dinner tonight, and I want to hear your guys' point of view. You said it was a really good question. So um, you're a vegetarian, right? So, um, and and I said, I I hope you love dogs because you're going to come over and you're going to meet my dogs, and you're like, I'm a vegetarian. I love all animals. (laughs) So then I thought, like, uh, are there vegetarians out there that just hate all animals? Like, like I, like I can imagine someone being like, I am not going to eat any animals because I don't even want to touch them. I don't want them touching my mouth. I hate all animals, <laughs> right? Like most it's of the time, yeah. Most of the time, I I, yeah, most of the time, I people go vegan or vegetarian because they love animals, right? right? <laughs> but you know, my question was what I was thinking before. If I was because. I'm traveling a lot, and I never have been scared, but I realized it's so much aggressive people in America, and I start to be scared. I was like, and I was like, who can I trust? And But I was like, if somebody's vegetarian, it's not going to hurt me. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, true. Like, yeah, if I if I'm out on the street and I meet a vegetarian, like I'm not I'm not worried about you, bro. Because you're you're not gonna do anything to me that I can't handle. It's not true. true. No, it's no, not, I'm like not true. It's no, not there's true. a couple fighters out yeah. there that no, would it's whoop actually, my ass. Actually, yeah. I learned it's not true. The vegetarian is also even they would not hurt the animal, but they would hurt the human. People. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what something I just wanna tell you in South Africa. They play the Americans' movies, but when you guys use that word, it's always a piece. They don't let it to get uh, in the television. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was in Australia, but I think this was in South Africa. They have the American movie, but when you say, they always a piece. So they don't let the children grow up with it. Mm-hmm. They still play, play the movies, but not that words. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it should change. And eventually, some words are dying out of culture, and some. You're always going to have your. You're always going to have some. Yeah. It's. I mean, it, I could make up. Uh, what was there an episode of Recess? Remember the cartoon? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an old cartoon. I, I'm positive someone listening in right now remembers the show Recess, and one of the characters said that really wamps. Mm-hmm. Just a made up word. Right. So if you just. I bet it's a bad word now. It, it, I mean. It, it will be. It will be but by it, tomorrow. But if you perceive it as such, if you give a word that kind of power, because mm-hmm. that, that's kind of the biggest illusion is you're giving a word power. Mm-hmm. And the word's not necessarily as important as the thought. It doesn't matter what the words you use to. It's right, more the intent the behind intention, it. Yeah, the intention behind it. Right. So, like I can say, like, fuck yeah. Like something great yeah. happened or I could be like, Fuck you! <laughs> right? The intention, yeah, intention and, and is the terrible. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> totally. No, and see, it just felt different. bad. Like when I just said that, it felt, it felt <laughs> like like this tension in my chest. Like I don't like saying that. Yeah, stuff. but see, but that's but isn't that part of this whole thing about consciousness? Is that you? If you pay attention to the way you are reacting to the the world around you, right. and you are trying to work into a different way. Now, sometimes it helps having a companion in your life, like my beautiful wife here. Mm-hmm. 
does make me want not for her necessarily just her, but I want to be a better person when I'm with her. And if she's pointing out some of my shortcomings, you I could get really defensive about it. Or I could just accept that and be like, you know what? Or puts actually put some thought into it and be like, she's right. Mm-hmm. Like, being conscious about it. So if you realize that swearing gives you a bad effect, like it just makes you feel bad, then why would you want to do that to yourself? Right. Why would you want to make yourself feel bad? And it's about paying attention to how you're reacting to things, talking about your diet. You've tried all the diets. Or you, not all the diets, but I tried quite all of them. You you tried like quite the, all of them, and like you pay attention. Years. Yeah, and you pay yeah. attention to like how you feel. How are you being affected? And if you actually start critically analyzing the way that you feel about interactions and experiences, then you can start figuring out which ones are most beneficial to your life. One of the things I've been thinking about recently too is the things that we like. Mm. Do you really like the things that you like? Do you like them because you like them, or do you like them because society has told you to like those things? Yep. And uh, I see this beautiful Lamborghini every day I drive home, right? And I don't know the guy that drives it, but that's actually the whole thing that got me on to the idea of, of asking. Does that guy living in Key West, Florida, where the highest speed limit until you get to Miami is 55 miles per hour, which you're probably never going to hit because there's someone that's going to be going 35 miles per hour the entire way looking at how beautiful the keys are. Does that person love the Lamborghini that he owns because he loves the manufacturing of it, the capabilities of it, how how nice it feels, all the things that went into it, or does he just have enough money to have that? And society says that if you have a Lamborghini, then you're balling. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not making any judgments on this person, but it's the it was the thing that got me questioning the things that I have in my life why do I have this in my life? Do I actually enjoy this? Or am I doing this because I'm supposed to enjoy this? Right. Is this action intentional or is this action habitual? Yeah. You know, and what's creating the habit? Yeah. Is it the messages? Again, the diet you're taking in, the, the messages, the message diet you're taking in every day, the, you know, who you hang out with is who you become. That's, that's part yeah. of your diet, right? Huge. The things you're reading, the things you're, cons- the things you're, consuming with your mind are way more important than the things you're consuming with your body. I mean, both are really important, but... Well, you're going to consume things with the body based off of what your mind is thinking. You that's don't- true, too. It, it originates in the mind. You don't make healthy choices um, for your body unless you are making healthy choices for this mind up first. here, this mind up here yeah. as well. Like, do you need McDonald's or do you need sustenance? Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking on McDonald's on this one either. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, for example, is, is that case is... You find yourself being hungry, and you have the choice to eat healthier, smaller, more holistic food, or you can go get something quick, easy, and not so good for you. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's a conscious choice that you're going to make. So you have to bat it around in your head real quick. Like, am I hungry? And if so, what's available? Right. And you and I were talking about again at dinner too. Like, mm. if you get hungry enough you'll eat pretty much anything yeah, i think true. That's yeah. what I, say like we were saying, yeah. I was fasting now because mm-hmm. i did learn i did read a lot in new zealand and i started the diet what works for me perfect mm-hmm. and this is so everything works in america they want to sell something so they lie mm-hmm. to you because they can mm-hmm. sell and what works for me is is not to sell 
This is fasting. You don't want to make money because you sell nothing. Right. But that's what works me, for me perfectly. And it was, you know, I wasn't eating 23 hours. And I made a hot water, salt, and apple cider vinegar a little bit. And I was drinking. My friend called me from Hungary. What are you doing? Oh, I, because hurt, I eating or something. I said, I just drinking a hot water, apple cider vinegar, and salt. And she Oh my God, that's disgusting! And I say, <laughs> after twenty three hours, believe me, it tastes it's me amazing. like a soup. Yeah, it it's was amazing. Me, it was like, oh my God, it's it's a mm-hmm. soup. <laughs> it's everything is the, like yesterday. We was eating the food was horrible, mm-hmm. but I said I'm hungry. I eat anything, mm-hmm. but the food was really so bad. They should pay me. I was eating, mm. and I, you know, it was really bad. But when I'm hungry, everything is taste. Mm-hmm. That is really like how is your level about hunger? Yeah, right. Yeah, you and I were saying too. Like, I mean, if it gets bad enough, you gotta you gotta eat bugs. You gotta eat. Dude, I would. Yep, you gotta eat people. If you're surviving, you one hundred percent say yeah. that, and I will yeah. still agree to that. If I'm in a survival situation, now I'm not gonna kill the person that I'm trying to survive with unless they try killing me. Obviously, but like if it was you and I, for example, yeah. and I died, oh, I'd eat the shit out of you. And do you think? <laughs> do you think? Like right now, I'm making a pact with you. I'm, this is a pact right here. If we're on vacation, oh yeah, and I die, that's that's uh, why would I want you to die too? Just eat the sustenance that's left on me, right? Like live, yep. Like I, oh, I'm already gone, right? Why should you? Your have consciousness to go too? is somewhere else. Yeah, it's gone. But you, but you also say you're telling my wife uh, before the show, like uh, in your belief system, when you eat meat, you're also eating like a piece of the animal soul or yeah, yeah, part of their mind. They mind. Right. And that I, I believe there's some truth to that because our mind is interconnected with all the cells in our body. Even when we die, there's still some, it's gotta be some kind of resonant exactly. memory, something left behind. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, that's great. Uh, and I still think it's okay to eat meat even with that perspective because that's why we give thanks, you know, to to some of the meat. Like if I'm eating like a steak, I'll be like I will think in my mind almost have this meditative moment where I'll be like, you know, thank you for provide for sacrificing yourself so that I can uh, be strong and keep living and I will, you know, I'll honor you and take you in and a lot of the Native American traditions that I take part in um in the teepee ceremonies, you know, we eat um, elk, and we literally are taking in the elk's soul and spirit into us for strength and and sustenance, and we take in the soul of the corn because in in a lot of traditions they believe that plants have souls too. You know that you know corn and salad and all that stuff has a soul too. Plants have a have a soul as well. Um, and yeah, you're taking in a piece of that. Yeah, it's become your energy. So it's yeah. very important what you touch, what you eat. And we lost it so much because I believe before people was eating once or twice a day. And this was more like a ceremony. Family did sit together. And they really was taking the meal different than now. We just running. We buy something. We, f- our, we f- taste something. Mm-hmm. But we don't really realize this is give us life. But how you said, I'm vegetarian, but... So I believe the meat, if you, if the animal eat grass, is good for you. But this is not what the most people are eating, because the animals now cows eating corn was mm-hmm. not even. This is GMO, hundreds of years. This is not not real food. So this animal is not healthy for you. And this animal, when they even in the cage, so 
these animals don't have the same mind like a healthy animal. That's how I see it. Right. Well, just like human beings, too. If you put a yeah. human being in a cage, in a jail, their mind is not going to be the same yeah, as so someone outside of the jail. It's, it's of a the different cage. which kind of meat do you eat. Some kind yeah. of meat is healthy, fed grass animals or milk or cheese, but that's not what usually people eat. Right. Most Mostly it's like farm produce. Yeah. Uh, and well, not and farm, farms are good, ever. but mass they, farm. These animals yeah. don't see grass never. Right. Some they, chickens are born and live their whole life without a head. You know, and they're just manufactured for the meat, yeah, just over just, and over yeah. and over. So this is not a good no. meat at no, all. No, it's not a good practice. Yeah, so I don't think this is good to take to your body, part of your body. Mm-hmm. Not for me, definitely not. Maybe good for somebody else, but I feel it's not good for me. Mm-hmm. It's not not for me. Uh, I mean, I think that we should have a more responsible approach to the way that we do the meat industry, like. Yeah, for sure. I do believe that we're omnivores. I don't, I mean, with the way that the food industry works now is that I do feel like we can sustain vegetarian and vegan lifestyles. I mean, I don't think that if the food supply uh, were to go back to non-existent, I don't think that would be very easily obtainable for most humans. Right, like if we had like another dust bowl or something and we're unable to farm as much. I mean, we'd import a ton of stuff, but but you bring up a good point because, um, well... Yeah, I'm sorry. You had something. Else so to say. one more. Yeah, we yeah. always um, say that the. Um, so you know how much water need a cow? How much you destroy the world about that? Just you have a piece of meat in your your. Yeah, I read something the other day. day. It's like you know this is worse it's than like the a thousand cars. liters per yeah, pound. Yeah, it's worse than the cars. Yeah. Or or flying. Yeah. So if you eat meat or and even that lot of you know. I was take care of my friend Chad, and we was grocery store, and I, um, he always asked me why don't you eat this and this, and I say I because of that. And one day, he asked me, "Oh, Camilla, can I buy a milk?" And I say, "You know, if we buy a milk, the cow baby don't drink a milk because we drink it, we humans, because the cow baby one day maybe with the mother, and after they get a powder because the human can have a cheese and the milk." And he is nine years old, and he said, oh, I don't want to drink it. Mm. So if you explain to the children, not even the children, like also growing people, what you're doing, they would think about it. Do I have a right to take from the little animal the milk? And they don't have a, ma- don't have a contact with the mother because they separate mm-hmm. it just because you want your cheese on your pizza. Sure. So think about it. It's like, I don't know. I think we doing violence to consume too much milk and too much meat, it's a violence in my eyes because yeah. it's a violence. Well, and too, when they're, when they're harvesting vegetables, a lot of the time with the tractors and things that they use, they kill a lot of little animals with the tractors while they're harvesting the vegetables. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's still a, there's a, still a lot of like... On, I think it's the the practices that we're using it's to the mass production, the mass production, the factories, the things like that. That even with a vegetarian diet in this country, I mean, you're still contributing to the death of many millions of animals every single day, just because of the manufacturing process. It's not because you're like slaughtering it like you do a cattle or something. But I think a lot of what what the problem is is like a lack of respect on our part. Like we're not respecting. The plant life. We're not respecting animal life. I'm fine with your if you're vegetarian or vegan because you you have a particular belief system that 
that um, it makes you feel better when you when you follow that. Um, I'm also fine with you if you eat meat too, but there still needs to be respect in there. Like I, like the way we're doing it very, right now is very disrespectful. Like I yes, said, exactly. breeding chickens and keeping them all in cages and you know keeping your animals in unsanitary and unsafe and disease filled you know pens and stuff. That's not respectful to the animal. Whereas you know, if you own a ranch or you own a farm and you love your animals and you take very good care of them, and you go out there and you talk to them and you pet them and then you slaughter one of them to feed your family or to help feed. Like, I love that. So much love went into that animal. And now the animal is providing all that love back to you in their death to keep you and your family alive. You know, it's a cycle um, that yeah. we're con- constantly yeah. doing that. So we're talking about the farmer that's reading the livestock with love. And then that animal is going to provide their family with sustenance. I think what's really sad is that the way that our meat industry works, where we're producing as much, is how much meat, I don't know the number, obviously, but how much meat in this country gets thrown out every day from the grocery store? Kelly and I see this all the time, and she's in the food industry, she, or studying, um, and we waste so much food in this country. Like, we've, I've worked in restaurants, you throw out so many dozens of pounds of food every night we have plenty of food to feed everyone on the yep. planet but we throw away almost 50 percent of our food here in this country whereas like and some places have made it illegal France, now uh well France, they may, they have to give like in the grocery stores yeah they, they have to give throw out yeah. that food but here in this country some cities make it illegal it and is, say that say that restaurants and grocery stores cannot give food to the homeless because if they get because sick they get sick then they can sue the company where it's right. It's such a big waste. Like let them let them eat it, right? Exactly. It's, it's it has to be eaten. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you pay for it and you die, that's fine. But if yeah, you're right. given it, no, and you die, well, that's a lawsuit, right? Doesn't I mean that, it doesn't make sense? Doesn't make sense to me. But we could go down a rabbit hole on that one. We could, but I think it all kind of comes back to this whole idea of. Uh, Speaking with your wallets, yeah. uh, here in Colorado, there are a lot of farm co-ops. Mm. You can go in on raising a cow. We actually did that. Yeah. We paid a couple hundred bucks, and we got a ton of meat ton from of meat. this cow, yeah. uh, and was it was slaughtered in a very respectful way. It, it lived out a, a long life on pasture, open pastures, no cages, no nothing. Like, very happy, yeah. right? And, and there's good studies to show, too, that... Um, whether the if the animal was was uh, had good living conditions or or not, it affects the the quality, yeah sure. the quality of the meat as well as like their mind state when they died. Um, you know, the hunters talk about this. Like if you kill an animal when they're in a really high stress, uh, a lot of adrenaline. Yeah, adrenaline state. Meat, that then the meat goes bad. Whereas if you the trick is to sneak up on them and and kill them. Gotcha. W- yeah, when they're relaxed, yeah. and that way it doesn't taint the meat and. Um, it's much more supple and not filled with all these stress hormones and chemicals. There's also good studies on um, if you're preparing or cooking food for someone else, and you, if you do it with love, then that person absorbs more nutrients than if you're cooking. Yeah. You're like, screw this person. They're making me cook for them every day and blah, blah, blah. And then you give it out to them. You know, it's like you're giving tainted food to someone. You know? you're, yeah. you're putting... You're putting love. That's what I said. Putting love into it or putting bad energy into it. Yeah, exactly. It was was more respect. And and that's a big part of – I don't pray before every meal, but I know people that do. And I think that's a big – that's a cool thing, right? Because when you're praying, you're kind of like – you're kind of 
pumping it up with good vibes, yeah. right? Because who knows where yeah. it came from? That chicken was probably kept in a cage his whole life. That you know that you whatever. Think about it. Right, but then you just you're just like okay, yep. let's put it, put some good vibes in it. Here yeah. comes a really stupid thought, though. We're talking about stress level and taining the meat, mm-hmm. and think about like most animals. We don't really have any natural predator because nothing really wants to eat us. Maybe what if what if that's the reason why we're such stressed out animals? Is that's a self defense mechanism? We have showed every single other animal on the food chain that you don't want to eat this. It tastes terrible because this thing is stressed. Mm. That was a really dumb thought. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was funny. I'll put it out there. I I think that's right on par with um, vegans who hate animals. Right? I, I love this. And I never vegetarians that think hate about animals, that. So. I never was think about this. I think it's funny because this is a, a start, the beginning. How you see mm-hmm. which side, how you see because mm-hmm. everybody have right and nobody have right. right. It's, it's really well, yeah. I, well, I have a, a good friend who um, hates vegetables. He hates them. He will not touch them. Like he will not eat any vegetables. He hates them. Like like he lit no. He literally hates anything grown, um, like, out of the ground. And so that's what it got me thinking about vegetarians that hate animals because this guy literally hates the concept of vegetables so much that he will not even touch it with his finger. He won't touch it to his tongue. He won't. He's like, ew, sick, gross. So I'm wondering if there's vegetarians out there that are like, I hate meat so bad that I'm just – I'm never going to touch it. I can't even look at it. Like – Get that out of my face. Because animals are so disgusting, (laughs) so I'm just going to eat plants. Um, Yeah, it's an interesting thought. But I I know you guys got to head back down. Um, It was awesome to have you guys up here. It was awesome being here. Yeah, thanks for coming. And, um, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. So until uh, next time, folks, yeah, just take a lot. There was a lot of great information today. But uh, start questioning your thoughts. Start questioning all those things going on inside your mind. And um, I think you're going to come to a better solution the more you pay attention to that stuff. So till next time, this is Shane LeMaster with Conversations with the Mind. Bye. Man, what a great show that was. Thank you so much, Neil and Camilla, for coming on the show today. Uh, Neil, we got to keep in better touch, man. Um, yeah, it's been too long since I've seen you. Uh, you've changed a lot, but at the same time, I feel like when we get together... Just like with with a lot of friends, we go right back to where we left off, like like we were talking about on the show. And Camilla, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so very grateful to have met you and to have uh, talked to you about <clears throat> talked to you about your experience uh, growing up in an entirely different culture than our own. I'm so fascinated by other people's perspectives who come from um, different conditioning. So thank you for your contribution to the show. I hope to hear from you guys both soon. Uh, Thanks again to the listeners. Please like and share the podcast. If you find any value in it whatsoever, please consider giving a donation. There should be a link at the bottom of whatever podcast app you're listening to. Um, Yeah, just give a dollar. It really does help. And um, go check out the YouTube page, guys. I'm serious. It's really cool. Uh, MindOps YouTube page, M-I-N-D hyphen O-P-S. Become a subscriber. That way you can get um, the Conversations with the Mind videos when they premiere. You'll get a a nice little notification to go check it out on YouTube. Um, So, yeah, 
get connected with us, guys. And please, please, please uh, provide feedback. If I know you in person and I see you regularly and you like the show, um, or if you don't like the show, please come tell me and tell me what's working and what's not. Um, if I don't see you regularly, you can always reach out through the MindOps website, mind-ops.com. Leave comments. Um, let me know what's working. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't. Uh, this is just as much your show as mine. So let's create it together. All right, folks. Until next time, I want you to consider, are there any vegetarians out there that hate animals? Peace. <laughs>